The book of Colossians, one of Paul's letters to the church, to a young community in a backwater town in the Roman Empire. And he writes to them to tell them, to instruct them how to live in Jesus, how to live in Christ where they are, and so we are spending some time listening to his words, receiving his teaching as a gift to us as well, not only to the ancient church. And so we are in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Our text for this morning is is going to be verses 5 to 10, but I'm going to read verses 1 to 17, uh, because this passage holds together, and it's kind of a three-part deal we're doing. We did the first part last week, the second part this week, and the third part next week. And, uh, and so I want you to hear it as a whole. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. And as I read, know that this is the word of God to you. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now... You must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray. Father, I want to begin by obeying that, what we just heard, and giving thanks to You. I give You thanks for the gift of Your Son, Jesus Christ. I give You thanks for the Gospel, which is so beautifully and richly told to us in these words. And as I give you thanks, I also ask for your help. The text we come to this morning is in some ways a harsh one, a difficult one, one that challenges us, one that raises guilt and shame. 
And so would you help us to understand it? Would you give us the humility to receive even hard and challenging and confronting words? And then would you also help us to receive the comforting words of the gospel? May the peace of Christ dwell in us as we consider the word of Christ. And we ask it all in his name. Amen. Faith is not the end of effort. Faith is not the end of effort. I feel like that needs to be said at this point in our study of the book of Colossians. Because in this book, Paul has held up Christ for us. And he has said, look. Look at Jesus. Look at all that he has done. Look at who he is. The firstborn of all creation. The firstborn of a new creation. Look at Jesus. Adore him. Believe in him. And maybe your response has been like my response is, okay, that's good. Now what? Paul, what do you want me to do? Well, chapter 3, verse 5. Paul says, what do you want to do? Put to death. You ask me the question, what now? The answer is, put to death. Fight. There are attitudes and behaviors and emotions in your life that need to die. And so actively seek their demise. Faith is not the end of effort. Faith does not take us out of the fight. It puts us in it. When we come to Christ, we are brought into a bench-clearing brawl against darkness. Paul calls us to jump into the fray and fight. But we need to ask some questions about that. And there are three questions that I want us to bring to this text this morning. First, what do we fight? Second, why do we fight? Third, how do we fight? So what, why, and how? First of all, what? What do we fight? Verse 5 again. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then he goes on to expand that with two lists. The first list in verse 5 focuses on sexual desire. The second list in verses 8 and 9 focuses on violent desire. Anger, the desire to do harm to others. Put to death what is earthly in you, sexual desire, violent desire. And maybe your response is, all right, here comes Paul the prude. All right, Paul the, the one who isn't having any fun and doesn't want anyone else to have any fun. He said all of these wonderful things in Colossians and now, now we get, he brings the hammer down. And I, I think there, there is something in each of these lists, that will offend almost everyone. Okay, maybe those on the more progressive side of the scale would 
not be so happy about the sexual restrictions here. And then maybe those on the more conservative side would be happy about the sexual restrictions, but would be upset about the limitations on their right to indignation, their right to defend their honor. Paul is an equal opportunity offender. And before we dismiss him, and before we dismiss these lists, we need to try to understand them. We need to understand where they come from. And I think we can see that at the end of verse 5. So the last word in the first list is some translated greed. In this context, it's better translated covetousness. Put to death covetousness. What's covetousness? It is the overwhelming desire for something else. It is the controlling desire for something or someone that you don't have. And Paul pauses there. And he says that, that's idolatry. Which seems a bit extreme. So why? Why does he say covetousness is idolatry? Well, the To be overwhelmed by a desire for something else is to be underwhelmed by God. To be controlled by the desire for someone or something else is to say that God and His gifts are not enough. It is to say, God, you are not wise enough, you are not good enough, I will look elsewhere. It's idolatry. It, it is, it's like a wife saying to her husband, I need other men. That's what covetousness is. And that is why verse 6, the wrath of God is coming on these things. It's not the capricious anger of a cosmic killjoy. It is the anguished anger of a betrayed spouse. Those who were made for him, rejecting him for the desire for something or someone else. And that idolatrous desire is where these lists come from. Idolatrous desire is at the heart of both of these lists. So sexual desire is not wrong. We were made with that and for that. But when sexual desire begins to take over our lives, begins to rule our choices, begins to lead us outside of what God has given to us, which is, what has God given to us? Fidelity in marriage and celibacy outside of it. God's what God has given to us. When our desire, our sexual desire begins to lead us outside of that, it has become our God. It is an idol. Anger. Where does anger come from? Anger often comes from a legitimate desire for wrongs to be made right. Not bad. Not a bad desire. But when that desire begins to take us over, 
And it leads us into impatience with God. And then a desire to take God's place in bringing justice, in making wrongs right. And not necessarily in the direction of physical violence, but where does this list go? It goes to verbal violence. And it leads us to use our words to demean others, to attack others, to criticize others, to degrade them. Then what has happened? It's become an idol. It is an idolatrous desire, and Paul says, fight. Put to death in you desires that have gone awry, desires that say to you, God and His gifts are not enough. Attack those in your heart, in your life. So yeah, these lists are offensive. Where do they need to offend you this morning? So that they can wake you up for the battle. Maybe you're very principled, moral, but maybe you're kind of a jerk about it. Maybe when you look at others who do not live up to your high standards, you feel in yourself a frustration. And that fresh, well, it's, let's call it what it is. It's anger. And that anger grows. And it controls your perspective on other people, even to the point that you begin to use words, whether to their face or to someone else, to harm them, to degrade them, to shame them. And maybe you're even willing to shade the truth in order to make your case, to make them look worse and you look better. Let Paul offend you. Let his list offend you so that he can wake you up for the battle, the battle to entrust yourself to the God of truth and justice. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you're tolerant. Maybe you're accepting of differences Maybe you welcome a different views and perspectives. But maybe your desire for intimacy, your desire for pleasure has led you to push the boundaries that God has placed on sexuality. Let Paul offend you. Wake you up for the battle to entrust yourself to the God of all goodness. Ouch, right? Ah, That's heavy. That raises some guilt. Why would we want that? Why would we want that? Second question, why should we fight? If the fight is going to feel this heavy, why should we want it? Well, certainly we would say that we should fight idolatrous desires because God is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our highest allegiance, but there is more in this text. Verses 9 and 10 talk about the old self and the new self. The old self, it's these lists, right? It is disordered sexual desires. It is violent desires. 
That's the old self. And what's the new self? How does he describe the new self? He says it is being renewed in knowledge. After the image of its creator. And most of you have heard me ramble on Sundays enough to know that where I'm going to go with this. This is Genesis, right? This is the echoes of our origins. It is the echo of the inherent goodness that God made us with. Genesis tells us that we were made in the image of God. Profound dignity. Profound worth and purpose. We were made for that with an original goodness that that it's hard for us to even grasp. And Paul says, that's what you are fighting for. That's why you join the fray. Because it is part of the process of you and all creation being renewed. It is part of humanity being restored to its original goodness. It is part of God restoring us to the worth and the dignity and the purpose for which He made us. That is why you fight. That is why you join the fray, not only for right worship, but for full human flourishing. My wife and I recently went to hear Nicola Benedetti. She's a phenomenal violinist, world-class violinist, was through town as a part of the Seven Days of Opening Nights concert. And I noticed at that concert a lot of parents with young children. And I know what was happening there because my parents pulled the same thing with me. Here's what was going on. The parents were were sitting with their kids and they were looking for opportunities to lean over and to say, listen, you hear that? That's why I make you practice. That's why I make you go to lessons every week. You hear that? That's what Father Paul is doing with us this morning. He is saying, do you hear that? The renewed image of of God. That's why I say to you, put to death. That's why I say to you, fight. You see, we struggle and push against disordered sexual desire and against anger and against gossip. We struggle against those things. Why? Because we're headed for beauty. Because God's work in us is to lead us towards unimagined beauty. But how do we get there? What's our practice regimen? How do we get there? Third question, how do we fight? Well, we fight with the weapon of grammar. We fight with the weapon of grammar. Verb tenses will save your life. Okay, and I want to show you, I want you to notice the changing verb tenses in this text. So verse 5, put put off, put to death. Verse 8, put away. What are those verbs? Present, 
action. Right? Ongoing, the fight that should be happening right now. But how do we do that? How do we fight? How do we join the struggle? Verses 9 to 10, the verb tenses change. Seeing you have put off the old self. And you have put on the new self. What are those verbs? Past. Past actions. Done. Completed. We fight with the weapon of what has already happened. And what is that? What has already happened? Well, some scholars think that Paul here is using baptismal language. So, in the ancient church, when, adult, when an adult converted to Christianity and they were baptized, they went through a ritual where they took off their clothes, they were baptized, and they put on new clothes, usually a white robe. And whether Paul is referring to that specifically or not, that is certainly the idea here. That when we are identified with Christ by faith, He takes off the old clothes, the old self. Hear the echoes of chapter 2. We are circumcised with Christ, and it's the same language. He strips away the body of flesh. And then what does he do? He clothes us with a new humanity. And that has already happened. That is done. So that the struggle against idolatrous desires is simply a working out of an already accomplished victory. The work is done. We're just working out the implications. It's like a snake shedding its skin. Okay, when a snake sheds its skin, the skin is dead. It's not a part of the snake, right? He just has a wriggle free of it. That's what the Christian life is. Wriggling free of the dead skin of the old self. And we join the fight by bringing the struggle to the victory. Put it to death. How? By remembering that it's already dead. Put it away. How? By knowing that Christ has taken it already from you. We fight sin with the finality and power of Christ's already accomplished victory. So, in the fight, bring the struggle to the victory. When you feel the pull of sexual temptation, when you feel the pull to anger, when you feel the pull to use words that are harmful and degrading to others, what do you do? Bring it to the victory. Bring it to what Jesus has already done and say in your heart, in your mind, that is not me, that is dead skin. And fight to remove it from your life. And when you fail in that, and you will fail fail in that, I say that on the basis of Scripture and also on the basis of plenty of experience of failing in that. When you fail in that, bring the struggle to the victory. 
say in your heart and your mind, that is not me. Even the failure, that is not me, that is dead skin. My failures don't define me. Jesus defines me by the robe of righteousness and humanity and new humanity that he has already given to me. And get up off the mat and take another swing. My son, Samuel, who is just a little over uh, one year old, he has two great enemies in the world. Okay, The vacuum cleaner and the hair dryer. And uh, he is absolutely terrified of both of those appliances. And, um, and so when we use those appliances and are done with them and put them away, we say to Sam, Sam, all done, all done. We're putting them away now, all done. And we have done that enough now that as he crawls around the house and comes to the places where those appliances are stored, he points and he says, all done. (laughs) That is the fight against idolatrous desires. That is the fight against sin. It is to point, to name it, and to say, all done. On the basis of the cross and the empty tomb, those desires that seem so real and powerful to them. Christ has freed you to point at them and to say, all done. Faith is not the end of effort. Our faith is a perspective on effort. Our faith in Jesus engages us in the fight and it teaches us how to fight trusting in the finality and the power of Christ's accomplishments for us that are already done. So, Paul in Colossians says, look to Christ. And we say, okay, that's good, what now? What do we do? And he says, fight. Put to death idolatrous desires. And we say, how? And he says, did you not hear me? I said, look to Christ. 